This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another Foul Front podcast episode. If you didn't listen to the last one, I don't blame you. It was over five months ago. But I'm the new host, Matt Zavlonik. I run the YouTube channel High Prairie Sportsman, and I'm good buddies with the former host, Ben. I finally wrestled the reins away from him, and uh, now it's all all mine. But no, he, he'll be back uh, here and there, and kind of, uh, you know, we'll do some more podcasts together, I'm sure, in the future. Uh, got a couple co-hosts probably coming on as well. And of course, all kinds of great guests, but give you a little rundown on the format as to, uh, in the future here, it's going to be still, we'll talk a lot of waterfowl, you know, that's one of my main passions, but it's going to be a lot more just general outdoors focused. I'm sure we'll talk a little sports, especially if the Huskers start sucking again, like they have the last five, six years, whatever it's been now, I can't even keep track, but, uh, gonna be a lot of a lot of outdoors and uh some lighthearted episodes some more serious topics will be covered as well kind of uh we're not gonna we're not gonna shoehorn ourselves i guess is what i'm trying to say as for tonight though just myself riding solo and uh just gonna be answering a lot of different questions so i put some questions out on facebook and youtube uh both high prairie sportsmen if you want to check them out and uh, let me know what your guys' thoughts are both on this podcast and on my YouTube channel, I always love hearing feedback, whether positive or negative, uh, from everyone. So let me know what you think on that. And be sure to check out our Foul Front podcast group over on Facebook. Uh, there's, I don't know, I think we got a couple thousand people in there now. So uh, some good discussions been had in the past. <laughs> a 
like I said, this podcast has been uh, just kind of dead in the water until we've got the recent technical issues fixed and hopefully no more pop up here for the foreseeable future. Hope to get out uh, some, if not weekly, maybe at least monthly, if not, you know, uh, every other week or so is kind of what I'm thinking. But let's jump into it. Won't be too long, just answering the questions, like I said, and hopefully I won't go off too far off the rails on this one. Real quick, though, Ben, always the micromanager, wanted me to mention this. He actually uh, is writing children's books now. It's one of the many irons in the fire that he has, and apparently, you know, why he abandoned the Foul Front podcast and let some schmuck like me take it over. But, no, just kidding. So, he's doing children's books that are for ages two to five, and I actually did help. He's doing a waterfowl ID book. For young kids and I was able to take part in that and help share some of my photos I took of various duck and goose and other waterfowl species so that's kind of cool I'm looking forward to those getting published Um, and he's got me a whole spiel that I need to read off here so it's hardbound has surprisingly awesome artwork to help the kids learn birds through a fun and engaging storyline and once your kid has outgrown it you'll be proud enough of it to gift it to a friend They'll be published on September 1st, but if you want to head to foulfront.com, you'll get the first copies that get printed, and I'll post that description, or description, yeah, I'll post that website in the uh, Foulfront group as well, if anyone wants to check those out. There's also a deer hunting one, which, I don't know if it's a deer hunting ID one. (laughs) I don't know, Ben didn't really give me a lot of detail, I'm just kidding, but it's, uh, they all look good, and then the other one's about North American conservation model. And the best part of this is 11% of all the profits are going to be donated to conservation organizations. So that's really cool. Ben's giving back, trying to ensure that the next generation and the generations after that have, uh, you know, wild places, outdoor places to explore. So that's enough, that's enough uh, airtime for Ben, though. <laughs> He's got more than enough over the years. So we don't want to boost his ego up too much. Let's just jump right into these questions here. And we'll start with, uh, let's see here. We got Facebook. All right. So the first question is from Too Many Hobbies. Why did you decide to start recording your hunts? This is a, uh, that's a really good question, actually. A lot of people want to know why, you know, why YouTubers and podcasters started doing what they do. And my answer is way back in 2012, I was back in college then, uh, Got a lot of new buddies into duck hunting, waterfowling. You know, they were all deer hunters or turkey hunters. Never went waterfowl hunting, dove hunting, anything like that. So I was introducing them, and we were having an absolute great time. Sometimes we shot limits. Sometimes we shot a couple. But we always had good laughs in the blind, and uh, it was just great times. And, you know, we'd, we'd take pictures after the hunt or maybe a couple here and there during the hunt. And we we're, you know, we'd always say, we need to start recording these. They're funny and uh, it'll be awesome to look back on in years, you know. And so that was really the first kind of spark that uh, got me thinking about that and actually made a Facebook page way back then. And uh, that's the new one that I have that's under High Prairie Sportsman now. It was created in 2012. But uh, fast forward about five, six years, and my buddy Devin and I were watching duck hunting YouTube videos and you know, we'd watch them before hunts and 
use it to get get really pumped up. And really before that time, there wasn't much for duck hunting content on YouTube. It was some kill shot montages with like heavy rap or metal music or uh, a few professionally edited shows. And uh, we're watching, you know, we're watching these shows. Uh, the Grind is one I remember watching a lot. And then uh, Fouled Reality was, they had some episodes out, I believe, too. We were watching those. And just, you know, like, I'm just going to do it. You know, just kind of, just like, you know, it, it really started, more and more people started doing it. You know, Elliot, uh, Freelance Duck Hunting, popped up, and Josh did as well. Uh, I think they started the year or two before me. But just kind of, you know, wanted to record record our hunts. And my number one goal is help new people get into the outdoors. I don't care if it's duck hunting. I don't care if it's goose hunting. I don't care if it's trout fishing. We need people that value the outdoors. And I believe no one does that more than outdoorsmen themselves. You know, everyone parrots. Hunting is conservation. It actually is. I mean, the Pittman-Robertson Act the federal duck stamp, all those are very important. So the more people that we can, if not even, if, if we don't show, if we don't show people like what we do, what we're about and just the stuff you can experience, because it's not just going out there and killing animals. That's a very small part of it. Do I like going out and harvesting ducks? Absolutely. It's a fun time. Am I going to be sad if I don't shoot a limit or if I don't even shoot a duck? No, because I'm out in nature I'm away from the cities. I'm away from a lot of people. And that's why I go out there. I go out there to be with nature. I go out there to, you know, connect. And it's not just duck hunting, turkey hunting, whatever. I, I go out there to see things that a lot of people don't even know about. Or, um, you know, except for other hunters, maybe fishermen, the occasional hiker or something. But we need more people that if they don't become hunters or fishermen or whatever, at least understand us and at least see the value in you know our passion our 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 hobby our habit whatever you want to call it because we're are dwindling i know some people are like oh you go to a public land and it's just overcrowded and stuff you know that that's a whole nother conversation there's always going to be need for public access and i would love to see a lot more of it personally that's an uphill battle unfortunately as well but uh, really, I just want to help get new people out into the outdoors, especially duck hunting. That is, you know, what I'm passionate about. That's what I like sharing. And that's ultimately why I started it. That and recording memories, especially with like my dad or uh, my good buddies. You know, Devin, we started out, we hunted three years together, four years together that I was making videos. And, you know, he moved away now and we maybe get on one or two hunts a year, fun times. But I can go look back and, you know, see those see those times and see when his dog is his dog's first year. He can do that as well. It's just cool to see all that stuff. When you see my dad's dog retrieve his first ducks and geese, you know, it's just really cool to go back. So the memories and ultimately getting new people in. That's why I started. That was a long ramble. I'm sorry. I won't try to make all these answers uh, that long. So next one is from Derek. Are you going to do any fishing this year? I have done a little bit of fishing. Uh, I caught some smallmouth a couple months ago, and then I did some trout fishing on a family vacation just a few weeks ago. Did really well. I uh, decided to leave the cameras away, though. Just 
wasn't uh, feeling like making some, you know, making making a fishing video that year. Just kind of, it, it, it's nice to take a break once in a while. And summer's kind of my my vacation time, I guess, from filming. Uh, let's see. What do we got, Alice? Here? When am I getting a dog? Okay, I get this question a ton on YouTube. And if you watch my videos, <laughs> I don't have a dog. I'm always trekking through thick mud or wading or kayaking out to get my birds and, uh, you know, walking around cattails. I try not to shoot them where I'll lose them. I, I absolutely hate losing birds. So try to shoot them on open water, make sure they're dead. Don't let them swim away or anything like that. Um, but ultimately I don't know when I'm getting a dog. I, I have other uses for my funds right now. I, you know, Gas is super expensive, one, so uh, definitely not this year. Also, my living situation is still the same. I cannot have dogs in where I live. So that's the ultimate reason I don't have a dog. But uh, I'm sure at some point in the future I will, but just not in the foreseeable future. Maybe once I have my own house, my own place, whatever, then I will. Besides seeing birds, what makes you decide to hunt? Okay, so this is a really important topic. Uh, if you're new, scouting. This is ultimately what this goes into is it's all about scouting to find the location where the birds want to be. And seeing the birds is a really important aspect of that, but it's not the only aspect. Seeing sign from the birds. You know, I mean, and let's back up a step here real quick. So you can start out online scouting and scout depending on what you want to target. So, you know, different duck species are going to be in different areas, obviously. A diver duck's probably not going to be in the middle of a wetland. I mean, it's not unheard of, but it's not as likely as they are to be on, like, a big reservoir. So start out there and find locations that you might, you know, that look promising. Like, uh, if there's a little protected cove and it's on the, you know, on the north side. So on those cold front days when the northwest wind comes in, that's going to be sheltered. Birds might be seeking that out. Now, obviously, you're going to want to put boots on the ground eventually and check that out. But stuff like that, maybe you see on the, you know, a, a crook in a, in a river or a stream or something. Or, you know, some kind of moving water or an oxbow off a river uh, you know, maybe some hidden areas or sheltered areas that birds might seek out on certain days, like those bad weather days, or, uh, you know, maybe there's an island or something where they might roost on, you know, you, you check out what, uh, what it looks like from a bird's eye view first, start out online and then go put boots on the ground. And then now we can go back to where I was started, uh, look for bird sign number one. If, if you're not seeing birds, look for bird sign. Look for tracks, look for scat, look for feathers. All those are going to, you know, be good indicators that birds are using it, at least sometime. Now, is it a roost? Is it a loaf? Is it just a couple birds decided to land there randomly for whatever reason? That's for you to keep scouting. Check it out early morning, late evening, you know, sunrise, sunset times, or midday. See if it's that loafing area. Um, another thing to look for is food source for like we're heading into teal season. If we get some water and there's wetlands this year, 
I'm going to be looking for where the smart weed is, where the smart weed's growing, where the like Johnson grass, barnyard grass, stuff like that is where it's flooded as well. That's usually a good sign that at least that's what the teal are going to be feeding on that time of year when they come through Nebraska in September. So I'm going to be looking for food source as well. Um, those are, those are, those would be the main things I would say. Uh, if you want to, I guess there's not really too much more, um, birds, food source, sign areas where they might be sheltered. Uh, another thing I guess is accessibility. If you don't have a kayak or a dog, you probably don't want to hunt somewhere where it's super deep water. Uh, so you can actually look up public lakes, depth charts from like, uh, you know, fishing forums or some, uh, game and park, game and fish organizations have those, uh, publicly available as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways you can skin that, that that's a really good, uh, overview. Hopefully I answered that, <laughs> what you were wondering there, Matt, Matt Grove. Okay. Shannon, tell us about your boat. Are you getting a bus to pull with it? No. So if you guys are new, um, or haven't, you know, I don't watch a lot of YouTube. <laughs> the bus refers to my buddy, Jordan. He's, uh, our sister podcast, duck gun podcast. And I guess I'll, I can put a plug in for them right now. So duck gun podcast, the Outdoor Limits podcast, and the Mid-Valley Mercenaries show, I guess MVM show. Uh, go check all them out. They're fellow Flyaway Collective members, and they all have the podcast. Ty or Thomas is the only one now without a uh, podcast at the moment. So uh, go check those out. But Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, has uh, a, a short bus. He pulls his boat, his uh, armada of boats, I should say. He doesn't have one. He has like 10 I have no clue now. He keeps buying boats, but uh, he pulls his bus. And it's pretty cool. He's got like a little wood-burning stove and stuff in there. But uh, my boat, you can actually see it in action. It's uh, Josh Outdoor Limits, old boat. He uh, he upgraded, and he asked me if I wanted to buy it, and I said yes. So hopefully I won't regret it too much. Um, not planning on doing like a mud motor or anything about on it, just a uh, trolling motor. Uh, we'll see how that works. Really, I, I'm not too big on boats, especially with motors. Uh, I prefer kayaks. Um, and the reason is a couple of years ago, you know, I kayaked out to a marsh and I was the first one out there and I was able to kayak between cattail islands and stuff. And just, there was ducks and geese everywhere. They weren't spooked by my headlight or the, uh, or the kayak, you know, I was paddling and then I just kind of coast, and I had Mallard swim up to 10 yards, had a literally bat a green wing teal away from me, he tried to fly into my light, and that was awesome. And I was set up, and, you know, half hour to shooting, here comes boat guy, loud motor, all them birds flew out, spooked them all, they all flew away. So I'm not too big on the, uh, the big boat motors and all that stuff. I kind of prefer just kayaking, but I figured I'd get it just to... If I, you know, if I'm taking someone else out and, uh, we need to haul a little extra gear, it, it won't hurt for that. So nothing too special. What will be the long-term effect of two tier licenses? Asks, asks <laughs> Philip Swan, Swan Tech. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. So if you guys are new to this, this, uh, caused a little bit of ruckus on social media last year. Nebraska and South Dakota are doing a trial program called the two-tier system for duck hunters. 
it is when you file for your or get your HIP number in either state. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I believe that's how it works in South Dakota as well. In Nebraska, though, when you get your HIP, you pick either Tier 1, which is the regular six duck limit, five mallards, three wood ducks, one scalp, yada, 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 all that. You got to know all the specifics. Or you do Tier 2, and it's a three-bird limit, and there's no specific species. You can shoot three hen mallards, you can shoot three pintails, you can shoot three drake mallards, three teal, whatever. There's there's no limit on anything. And the goal of this, and it's a trial program, I believe it lasts five years, so this is year two going into, is to help new hunters figure out bird ID without being as encumbered by trying to remember all the different requirements that seasoned veteran duck hunters, you know, have memorized at this point. You know, when, if you can positively identify that it's a duck and you see the silhouette, you see the bill, you know, maybe they don't get a lot of opportunities. That's kind of the logic behind it is to help new hunters with their waterfowl ID and still be successful and not be paralyzed by fear of shooting the wrong species. Uh, Long-term effect from all the new hunters that I've heard, and I can't remember how many people tried it out in Nebraska. I haven't seen an official statement, just a couple Facebook comments here and there. But people that I've seen on like public forums and Facebook that were new and tried it out really liked it. They 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 said, you know what, relieved that pressure. And uh, that, that that's always a good thing. Once again, it goes back to getting those new people out into the sport of duck hunting and hopefully making some new lifetime duck hunters help you know uh so i i think if it does that it's a good thing and the people that were against this or that were causing a big uproar uh were saying that someone could just get this tier two license and shoot three pintails every day for the season well that's great except in south dakota and nebraska the likelihood of that happening or three canvas bags or three scop daily is not that great like at, <laughs> there's only a few places and times where I know you could consistently shoot pintails in Nebraska to the point of where you could get three. So obviously there might be other hidden locations out there. I'm not aware about, but usually they migrate through pretty early. Um, Scop once again, uh, there's, it, it, it's just people worrying for no reason really. And, the kicker is you've got to send a wing in with every bird you shoot for the tier two. So that's going to discourage some veteran duck hunters uh, from choosing. Actually, I discourage quite a few, I would guess, plus, you know, the three bird limit. So I, I don't see a lot of like the negative why, you know, people, people just want to complain sometimes to complain. Okay. But overall, I think it's going to be a good thing. Let's see. Different setup situations for wind, non-wind, little to no cover, or in a boat blind. Okay. Uh, this was from my buddy Sean. I cannot speak to a boat blind. I've never hunted out of a boat blind. Um, I prefer, once again, kayak and then stash the yak, hide in the, the cattails or the tools, as our people from California, our buddies from California call them. But I guess different setups for wind, non-wind. So if it's not windy or little wind, you want to have immaculate hide. 
because those birds can circle and circle and circle and there's really nothing to force them to drop in. You also want motion on the water. You do not want them looking at a plate of glass. Um, so that's where something like motion ducks or just a jerk string comes in super handy. For wind, I like to set up personally with the wind at my back. Birds come into the wind, they land into the wind, and uh, makes for a lot easier shooting opportunities when all you got to do is basically point and shoot, maybe lead as they're dropping versus, you know, if you have that crosswind, it's a whole different, it's kind of a different shooting angle can be a little more difficult shooting for some people so that's one thing uh you can usually get by with a little bit more in the wind especially in a high wind um, you can move a little bit more you've got natural motion in the decoy so you don't have to worry about those jerk strings and uh it, it's it's really preference on how you set up with a wind um i know some people don't like having the wind at their back they like having that crosswind because the birds aren't going to be looking at them so that's, that's another thing to keep in mind as well when you're setting up for the wind versus non-wind. And then little to no cover, that's tough. Sometimes you got to get creative. If you have little to no cover, you know, I've hunted places where cattle have grazed down or water has receded. And sometimes you got to back up or haul in an A-frame and try to brush it in, make it look like a a pile of sticks or something, or lay in tall grass if you have to. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways you can do that. You just kind of got to get creative and try to match match the surroundings as best as you can. Okay, buddy Chris here. Predictions for the 2022-23 season. Uh, current water conditions versus this time last season. We, we were in a drought last year. And we currently have less water than we did last year. We're in even more of a drought. So uh, for it, it, water conditions across the state of Nebraska overall, not the greatest. There's some areas that have been catching rain. Uh, hopefully it keeps it up because it can get hot and dry. It's been hot and dry this summer. And that'll suck those wetlands down. And, and those irrigation reservoirs will keep sucking down as well. So we're all just praying for rain here, um, but on the on the uh, plus side, they're getting more rain up in the Dakotas. So hopefully there was a better hatch. Um, you know, I'm, as waterfowl populations tend to, typically tend to follow water availability, habitat, and good nesting conditions. Uh, hopefully that's the trend once again this season for the uh, prairie pothole region. Will the bird flu have any effect on the hatch? I have no clue. Um, I'm not a biologist, and I haven't, and you know, I saw it going around in uh, the snow goose populations, but other than that, I'd, I don't know. I'd be curious to know that as well. Maybe I'll have to uh, reach out to some biologist buddies or, uh, just, you know, if anyone knows, I'd be curious as well if you have any resources on that. Um, are you seeing an increase in people duck hunting Public land. Yes, I, I'm, I am noticing there is some people, you know, more people hunting, duck hunting. Uh, I wouldn't say a ton last year, more so in the COVID year um, when everything was really shut down. And the trends reflect that. All the people with the record deer, whatever 
permits bought and turkey permits bought and stuff. So people, you know, they were getting cooped up and there was more people out. But, uh, you know, I, I try to avoid people. So if I think there's going to be a place that's hunted very hard by a lot of people at a specific time, I will not go there. <laughs> I'll try to go somewhere else and uh, avoid the people. So uh, that's about as best as I can answer that. Elliot, freelance duck hunting here. How much do you want to punch Jordan in the nuts? Uh, I mean, I, I'm i not as mean as Jordan. I wouldn't ever want to rip his chest hair or nose hair out, which he he ripped my nose hairs out. He wants to rip my chest hair out because we lost a uh, a bet about YouTube. So on the next Flyways Collective collab, I'm supposed to get my chest hairs ripped out, which just really... He's he's a very mean person. If you guys did not know that, no, nah, I'm just I'm kidding. Giving him some crap, but uh, oh, uh, probably not as much as you, Elliot, because uh, you know he he took that ban from you. Okay, now we'll hop over to YouTube. And first question is, what time is it? Looking forward to it. And I guess I uh, I apologize for that. I'm not doing a live one on YouTube tonight or. Uh, if I do any in the future, I'll announce it on YouTube and uh, Facebook as well, both on the High Prairie Sportsman page and then the Foul Front podcast group. So once again, I apologize for any confusion I caused there. Uh, we got a couple questions here that are kind of similar. Uh, how many days did you hunt last season and what was your season total for ducks and geese? And then how many mallards do you kill per season? So I guess I'll start with the how many days did I hunt last season? For waterfowl, I hunted 80 days um, and then add a couple for dove and uh, deer as well and turkey too. But uh, 80 days for just waterfowl and then my season total for ducks was 183 and geese was 61 including snow geese, no speckle bellies. As far as how many mallards do I kill a season, that's highly variable. Last year was my best year ever. I shot 76 mallards total, 74 were drakes. Um, usually, it's nowhere close to that. It might be 50 or sometimes 25. Last year was just a really good year. I worked my butt off, and uh, we got a severe storm coming through here, so one second. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, just some of that much-needed rain. <laughs> I'm sure we'll probably get some hail with it, too. That seems to be how it usually happens. Can't just get a good, heavy rain. But, uh, no, I, I worked really hard last year. And, you know, once again, I went out 80 days. So, uh, most of the time, though, it's usually that, uh, I'd say anywhere from 20 to 60 mallards is good or is average for me. All right, let's roll through. Oh, and I guess I can talk real quick about what I used to track this. So I started a duck journal back, well, probably 11 years now, uh, just a little notebook pad, paper, and I, you know, date, time of day, uh, weather, wind, wind speed, direction, all that good stuff, birds observed, birds shot, and then birds lost, excuse me. And then uh, total for the year, who I hunted with, any other important relevant information. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I used for years, how to track my numbers. Like once I said, you know, I want to wanna keep that data. And it was a good way to remember my hunts back in the day before 
uh, I recorded and other than just having a picture from the hunt. So now I use, uh, I still have that little notebook pad paper. I fill it out when I'm hunting and then I transfer it over to freelance hunt stats. If you guys haven't heard it, uh, it's from Elliot of freelance duck hunting, him and Jordan of duck gun chronicles are working on this site. It's actually up right now. And I believe there's an app too. It's changing its name, North American waterfowler. Um, but you can log all your hunt information that I just said in there. You can track how many shots. It'll show you your shooting percentage if you want to enter that in there. It'll show you, you enter a location, and then you can sort by years and show you how was this location with this wind direction or with this temperature range or with this kind of weather, yada, yada, yada. And it'll show you your totals for as long as you keep track. So it's really cool. And then there's some leaderboards so you can see how other people are doing in other areas of the country. And there's all other kinds of uh, bells and whistles too. So little plug in there for them. And you guys can check out the Fellowship of the Duck Gun Facebook group and message Elliot or Jordan if you want to know more about that. They also talk about it on their podcast as well. The uh, Duck Gun Podcast. Sorry, name escaped me for a second there. So that is that. Keep rolling through these here. Okay. Another guest who wants to... <laughs> specialty is killing spoonies. Well, I'm sure uh, we'll have you on at some point. If you can get those nice Drake ones like they have. We get them in here in Nebraska in the springtime, but nothing like uh, you guys get them in California late season. What is the best decoy or decoy spread to use on a small river? Uh, okay, so that's I guess that's that, that's a good question. Uh, it's also a highly variable question. That's uh, the, the spread questions, I guess. Uh, there's a multitude of answers. I mean, you could ask 10 different people and get 10 different answers. And it, it really depends on where they're hunting. So on a small river, um, you know... It could be a wood duck area if you're hunting more Mississippi flyway. Uh, we get some, we get, actually we get a fair amount of wood ducks in on smaller rivers in Nebraska as well. So you could use some wood duck decoys. Uh, it also depends on the time of the year. Are there sandbars? Are there rock bars, mud bars, whatever? Are there geese in the area? If so, I would definitely use goose decoys, even if it isn't goose season, as they, you know, are a confidence decoy. Um, what other species are primarily using these rivers? In my, you know, my experience in Nebraska, it's going to be mainly mallards. You might get the occasional widgeon, gadwall, pintail mix in there. So you could throw one or, you know, a couple of those in just for added realism. But it, it ultimately is going to come down to your scouting. Are birds super packed in there? You know, is it a frozen river and there's an ice hole? Is it... Uh, early season and it's just mainly wood ducks, maybe some eclipse mallards, maybe some other gray ducks. Uh, late season, you can also get golden eyes on, you know, different rivers. So it, it's really highly variable, like I said, um, but I use whatever you're seeing while you're out scouting. Um, for Nebraska, probably going to use a few goose floaters and uh, probably a few shells or silhouettes, maybe full bodies. Uh, it, it really, once again, goes back to what I'm scouting. And if, uh, if I'm seeing ducks too, I'll throw some ducks out there. 
Okay. Dream hunt and or mounts. So my dream hunt is an Alaskan king eider hunt. Uh, they're, they're such a cool duck. And I've heard the way you hunt them is miserable, like you're laying out on rocks in the Aleutian Islands. But that would be so much fun. I, like That's definitely on my bucket list. Uh, dream mount, probably a king eider as well, or a mallard pintail hybrid. That would be, uh, you know, definitely one of the one of those two. Okay, here. Why do ducks swim around our feet when we are fishing, but standing in the same water hunting, they flare? Well, I mean, it, it really depends on your area. Um, around here, I don't really notice ducks swimming up when I'm fishing. I guess. Uh, but I would guess it has to do with a lack of pressure in the summertime. And also, uh, are, if you're fishing public land, more than likely those birds are being fed. People are throwing them lettuce or grapes or bread. And I'll just say, if you're feeding them bread, don't. Especially white and rich bread, because it can lead to a condition called angel wing. So don't, don't do that. But uh, grapes and lettuce, they do like. And that would be my best guess, is a lack of pressure and probably people conditioning them to people uh what's your approach to late season decoy shy, yeah decoy shy birds sorry so my my approach um sometimes go small that's that's a uh you know i really like to do that late season go small maybe just use a dozen decoys um use goose decoys as confidence uh, and I'm talking ducks here, use goose decoys as confidence decoys. But even I, I'll go small spreads goose season or late season geese too, especially if I'm hunting water or ice. Um, you definitely want a great hide. These birds have seen a lot. They know a lot. So you definitely want to hide. And typically I call less. I mean, I don't call a ton as it is, but just to get their attention, get, just to get them interested and then shut up. If they're coming, they're going to come. And, you know, that that's that's the best advice. These birds, like I said, they've heard everything. They've seen pretty much everything thrown at them. So you got to think outside the box. Um, and a lot of people try to go bigger. I like to go smaller, typically. What's the best way to hunt ducks with minimal decoys? Um... That's once again, that's a, there's, like I said, there's on these spread questions, they're just, they're so highly variable to the areas that you hunt and the species that you hunt that there's so many different answers that you could, that could be correct. And they might be correct here in Nebraska or the central flyway, but they don't work over in like the Atlantic flyway. So there's so many different, you know, different scenarios um, the best way to hunt ducks with minimal decoys is to closely imitate what you're seeing the birds doing. Um, if you're seeing, maybe you're only seeing a handful of birds on this spot, throw them where you're seeing those birds and try to set up as closely as how you're seeing those birds. You know, are they all tucked in tight? You know, is it bad weather? Are they trying to hunker down and shelter? Then you might be able to get by with a dozen, maybe even half a dozen if the spot's right. Or you could hunt some super small water. Just throw five decoys out. I've done that before. Um, once again, it, it's just really 
really variable. So I, I hope I answered those spread questions to the best. Uh, you know, I hope those answers were satisfactory. Um, but <laughs> it just, it just, uh, it, it's highly variable. Once again, that's the best I can put it. And if you guys have any other questions on that and, or you want to talk specific areas, shoot me a message, Facebook, Instagram, email. Um, I'm more than happy to, you know, bounce ideas off me and I, you know, try to help you out the best I can, uh, to help, you know, help you guys be more successful. Cause I, I, that's, I really do enjoy, um, you know, messages where people are like, you helped me shot, shoot my first bird or because of something I saw, you know, that, that means the world to me. So if you guys ever need any questions like that, feel free. Um, you know, if I don't see it right away, you know, usually I'll respond within a day and, uh, I can bounce questions off back and forth, but that is, uh, looks like that's about it for all the questions. Uh, thanks to everyone who sent them in. And uh, like I said, we're going to look to do these about, I don't know, at least every couple weeks. And uh, working on a co-host, might have one, might not. Definitely going to have some new guests on here. Uh, we'll see. But uh, I'll put a poll up there in the uh, Foul Front podcast group if you guys have any recommendations for guests you want to hear or subjects you want to hear about, I'll let you guys drop them down there. And uh, that's all I have. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.